Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 133 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott steering the ship home on the Monday edition of Oilers Now. We've talked plenty of Oilers and we've talked plenty of draft, but again, one of the biggest, if not the biggest storylines to come out of that draft, we figured P.K. Subban would be on the move. There was a lot of rumors about potentially to a Canadian market. Instead, he ends up going to New Jersey in exchange for Steven Santini, Jeremy Davies, and two second rounders, uh, Subban... Not the best year he's had. Uh, career low, in fact, 31 points, 63 games last year for Nashville. Uh, but he's he's a lovable guy, at least a, a media darling, if nothing else. But we want to know right from New Jersey what they think they're getting in that. And to talk about that, we'll go to a conversation with Bob had with the color man of the New Jersey Devils, Ken Danico. Joined by a longtime New Jersey Devil legend as a player and now a legend as a broadcaster, Ken Danico from Edmonton Southside Athletic Club. How you doing, Ken? I'm good, Bob. Too kind, too kind, but always be always good to be on with you, and I hope your summer's going well. Well, uh, it's going well, but not as well as it has for the New Jersey Devils, who we knew they were going to own the draft on Friday night because they had the number one pick and won the lottery. Uh, but we started hearing whispers late Friday afternoon that uh, the Devils were in on P.K. Subban, and so they won Saturday as well. Your thoughts on the acquisition of P.K. Subban from the Nashville Predators? Well, first off, I mean, it obviously started with the unfortunate up to get the number one overall pick, and Jack Hughes certainly some electricity to the fan base, and 8,000 came out for a draft party, which is the biggest I've seen since I've been with the organization 30-plus years. And then Horatio had talked about, you know, his specialty has been uh, with teams up against the cap and cap struggles along the way that they have to get rid of some pretty good players and you can maybe pick them off and not give the return that most people would expect. Uh, he, He knows he needed to improve the team, certainly needed to improve the back end, and and they're hoping P.K. Subban is that guy. And for me, he brings some character to the dressing room, a personality, which which is a good thing because at times I think maybe they're a little too common. And being on championship teams and you being around those Edmonton other championship teams, I like nice guys, but I and not that PK is not a wonderful nice guy because we know the wonderful things he does off the ice, and certainly the most important thing is his performance on the ice. But uh, you need a little rambunctionist. You need a guy that'll step up and speak. You need some characters, and I think PK can add a little bit of that to the Devils locker room as well. Well, there's no question that Ray Shero has now capitalized twice on landing elite players. Once when he got Taylor Hall, and now when he got PK Subban. And to me, Ken, the two are interrelated because the story I'm told, and this happens with elite players, is Ray Shiro reached out to his top-end guys and did a little recon before acquiring P.K. Subban. So that that tells you something there. So obviously, Shiro is an opportunistic guy. 
Does you know you grew up with the Messiers? I mean, Mark Messier had a big personality too. There's nothing wrong with that in sport, is there? No, there certainly is. And look, you're always going to have a different mix. And I always say, when you build a winner, build a championship team. And, and I look no further, being fortunate enough with some of the Devils teams to win cups. And everybody thought because Lou Amarillo and his discipline. We were a look-straight-ahead type team. We had a bunch of nuts on our team. Believe me, every championship team. And I say that in good terms from the standpoint, guys that would upset the apple cart, step out of their comfort zone, even get angry at each other in the locker room, and that's in the dressing room, and that's important sometimes. Uh, too often I see after a, uh, a loss or a win with any team, that, you know, you just go about your business. doesn't mean it hurts internally. I know that, and everybody's a different personality. But you need those character guys that uh, have those personalities and will speak up once in a while. And everything that PK said, you know, I, I'm a wait-and-see type of guy. And, and more importantly, uh, certainly he probably becomes our best defenseman. And we hope he performs like that. I know he wasn't a perfect season for him last year in Nashville. In fact, maybe a little bit of a down year. Injury's part of that. Uh, but everything he said, he's excited to be there. And that was sincere. He, he wants to win there. And Anybody that doesn't say, I don't care where they came in the standings last year, he said, I want to win a Stanley Cup in New Jersey. Well, that's a start. You have to have a belief, whether that's reality or not, within a year or two. But I've loved everything he said to a T so far, coming to the Devils and wanting to be part of it. Look at the puck-moving ability now, Ken, on the back end. I mean, you got Subban, who can transport and transition it. Votnin was a pretty good puck-moving defenseman with Anaheim. He's dealt with some injury last year. Damon Severson as well. Uh, that's three right shots. Votnin can play the left side. Not, you know, and not to mention, you got, uh, you know, the, the captain, Andy Green, as well. You got lots of, Will Butcher. Like, th this is a team that's going to be able to transition the puck. I think so, and we can't forget that uh, Ty Smith, the number one over or the 17th overall pick of the year before, the Canadian Junior Hockey Player of the Year, another real good skating puck moving defenseman that's knocking on the doors and going to push for a job this year. So we know the way the game has gone, and, and don't get me wrong, I get it. Everybody says I've gone with the times, Bob. Look, I, I want size, and you still need that grit. It was proven in the playoffs with the Blues and Bruins in the finals, and the Blues finally winning it with a big club defense. I believe you can win different ways. The key is to get to the playoffs, and sometimes that's the hardest thing. And during an 82-game schedule, uh, you've got to have guys that can skate, move the puck, uh, trans, uh, transition the puck up ice. That's just the way the game has gone. So hopefully the Devils have improved in that area, certainly with a veteran P.K. Subban. I think they believe they, they've done that. All right, so the defense is looking pretty good. Maybe even a potential move coming there. Uh, up front, uh, you know, and part of getting P.K., I would think, and maybe engaging a guy like Taylor Hall is to engage a guy like Taylor Hall moving forward. I mean, this guy was the league MVP a year ago. He was injured much of last year. His contract's up, and I'm sure the Devils undoubtedly want to get him signed to a long-term deal. Yeah, you guys in Edmonton know as well as anybody, you know Taylor Hall, and he's a well-thought-out guy. You know, just wanted to see. He's told Ray he's made no bones about it, and I respect that. You know, he's got a year left on his contract. You only go to free agency uh, once or twice in your career, or certainly uh, with the leverage that Taylor Hall has now and that coming off of MVP year, obviously, or the year before. But obviously, injuries was a big factor last year. So from the Devils' standpoint, Ray Shiro management and Coach Hines, they're hoping he's 100% healthy. We think he will be. But to show him, no, we're, we're going to, you know, maybe progress this 
retool, rebuild, whatever you want to call it along the way with because Taylor's mentioned, I know we got a lot of good young pieces, and I know Jack Hughes is coming, and he was thrilled about that, but he wants to see that, you know, in two, three, four years, he can compete for a cup. And in today's NHL, we all know, just get in, baby, and the Blues are living proof of that. Last in the league, January 3rd, which is one of the most remarkable sports stories uh, I've ever heard of or seen, and certainly 20 years from now, we're going to be talking more and more about that. But Ray's put a foot in the right direction. I don't think he's done yet, and I think it's going to entice Taylor Hall a little bit more because I know he likes New Jersey. He's really enjoyed his time there thus far, but let's face it, you want players that want to win, and Taylor certainly would like to win or have a chance. You can't pick where you go and say that team's going to win because we know, again, the competitive balance throughout this league, but if he sees the Devils going in the right direction, I think Ray and ownership um, are aware of that, certainly. Well, one thing they got now, uh, getting Jack Hughes, and they're going to bring him out and roll him out tomorrow, Ken, uh, with Hughes, with Heischer, uh Pavel Zaka is still in the mix. Uh, they got the veteran there that's been there for a long time in that organization, one of your favorites. They're deep down the middle as well. Well, but, you know, we always say you got to build, build down the middle, and Three, three, four years ago, you would say the Devils are very weak down the middle. Now, obviously, with two youngsters, certainly Nico Heischer coming into his own at a great world championship and a good season, considering the Devils didn't have a good season. Uh, just a 200-foot player. Now you have the dynamic Jack Hughes. I know it'll take him a little time to develop, but I think he can have an impact right away. The veteran Travis Jack, the all-purpose guy who's still got some miles left and good ones. And Pavel Zaka, who I loved the last six weeks of the season. So if you've got Pavel Zaka as your third-line center, chipping in 40, 45 points, also a very good, responsible player in his zone, a big body, just starting to figure it out maybe. And you've got Blake Coleman, uh, one of my favorites, and certainly Kevin Rooney, another guy that can skate and is big, more of that physical fourth-line guy. So you've got plenty of depth down the middle now all of a sudden. Some of these guys can't play the wing and, uh, you know, the Devils, I really haven't been a team. I uh, I was trying not to believe over the years, Bob, ever since you can't win without depth or, or strength down the middle. And I'm going, I, it doesn't all have to be the middle. You can win with defense and goaltending, but I'm finding out you need some pretty good centermen, and the Devils are on the right track there as well. Can, one final question for a longtime uh, New Jersey Devil player. He won three Stanley Cups with that organization, and he's been a Devils broadcaster for a number of years. Works with the NHL Network as well. Ken Danico, an Edmonton area product. Ken, uh, Corey Schneider, uh, he had a tough stretch. Uh, he went like a calendar year at one stage. You with me, Bob? I, we still have you, Ken. Can you hear me? Oh, I got you now, my man. I'm sorry if I lost uh, no, 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 two that's, seconds. What's the last j- Just on Corey Schneider. Uh, just a thought on what, what do you think is going to happen in the goal situation? Well, look, number one, the great news is Corey Schneider seemed to have found something the last two months of the season, and he's battled hard. He's such a great pro, a veteran, a leader. He's going to be a great mentor for Mackenzie Blackwood. And Corey takes nothing for granted. He doesn't expect that's what's great about him. Why he's going to be a veteran, great veteran and mentor is because if Mackenzie Blackwood steals the net, so be it. Corey understands that. I think both guys are going to play. But what was a disaster for the first half of the season in goal might be a bright spot going into training camp here with the with the prospect of, of Mackenzie Blackwood, who showed real well in his early part of his career last season for the Devils in goal and Corey Schneider, who took a long time after the hip injury and surgery to find his game, and it seems uh, uh, his confidence is somewhat back for sure. 
So it's going to be an interesting dynamic along the way. All right, uh, Ken, have fun tomorrow when they roll out Jack Hughes. And thank you again for joining us in Oilers Now in Edmonton. Anytime, Bob. Say hi to all those Southside Athletic Club buddies from way back. <laughs> from way back in the day. They remember you more than they remember me. Thanks a lot, Ken. <laughs> all right, Bob. Have a good day. Yeah, see ya. There is colors, color analyst for the New Jersey Devils broadcast, Ken Danico, and his thoughts on uh, what the new look New Jersey Devils will bring in this upcoming year. Brendan Escott with you on the uh, the drive home of Oilers now, the Monday edition. We'll press pause back with some text messages and a one-on-one interview with the eighth overall draft pick, Philip Broberg, when we return. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. 148 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott here with you on Oilers Now. Bob back tomorrow, full hour of Stoffer Inspector for our friends at Horse Racing Alberta. And uh, he's working on a little something special for 1.30 as well. Adam in Medicine Hat wants to know what I think of Yesapoyarvi for Josh Hosang. Well, two flawed prospects for sure. Uh, I don't know if uh, just based on what we know of Hosang and, and what's come out in the media, if that's the type of player they want to bring into this franchise. I think the skill's there. But there's a reason that he hasn't been in the NHL for quite some time and has never really cracked uh, any kind of a lengthy stay. So could he benefit the team? Definitely. But I think there's a little too much risk there, uh, in my opinion, for Josh Hosang. How about uh, Lucic and Pugliarvi for Patrick Marlowe and Michael Furland, says the texture out of Grand Prairie. Well, listen, I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine about this over the weekend, about what kind of leadership uh, the Oilers dressing room perhaps could use. And I think Patrick Marlowe was a great benefit to what they had going on in Toronto. There's a lot of young players there, too. He's been around the block. Uh, You know what he brings to the table. The contract's a little ugly, I'm not going to lie, for a 40-year-old player, but could he bring something, a different aspect to the Oilers dressing room uh, that they don't have right now? Possibly. Michael Furland, I think he's going to be a little too expensive for the Oilers, but that's the kind of player who I think it really showed throughout the uh, the 2019 NHL playoffs you need on a team to win. I couldn't stand Michael Furland when he was in Calgary, but it's for all the right reasons, if you know what I'm talking about. And Something tells me you might feel the same way. All right, without further ado, we want to hear from the latest installment in the Oilers prospect pool. It is Philip Broberg, the eighth overall pick. He had a conversation with Bob. Let's get to that right now. All right, Philip, you've had a couple days to uh, process the fact that uh, you're now an Edmonton Oiler. I think you thought you maybe might have been an Edmonton Oiler going in. Did you have that sense going into the draft that Edmonton might be taking you at number eight? Uh, I know I was around that spot, but, uh, you know, knowing draft, uh, whatever can happen, and I'm, I'm just happy to be an Oiler. How many times did, they, did you have separate meetings with the Oilers going into the draft, or did you go for dinner with them or anything like that? I 
had a dinner with them in Buffalo uh, and a meeting as well. Uh, so yeah, I had a couple of meetings with them in Sweden as well. Uh, but uh, as uh, for you get to the draft, obviously you get the sense where you can go, but you never know before they call your name. So um, it was just unbelievable feeling to get drafted. You mentioned the other day that uh, you see Adam Larson a bit. The orders, you know, two of their three best defensemen are Swedes. Um, Oscar Kleffbaum, uh, as well as uh, Adam and their guys that have represented Sweden in uh, you know the World Championships and sort of uh, those are two pretty good guys to do you train with uh, Adam a bit? Uh, Adam uh, is training in Shalafto. They train yeah, just before the pro team in Shalafto. So yeah, I've seen him in the gym and uh, I haven't really talked to him, but I think I'm going to talk to him more when I get home. Who is your uh, your favorite uh, player? We're going to assume this is a Swedish defenseman. But who are the sort of guys you looked up to? Probably Victor Hedman and Nick Lidstrom for sure. Uh, when I was young, uh, just because they saw they are they are really good role models and really good players as well. We're joined by Oilers first round draft choice Philip Broberg, Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now. Philip, uh, you know it's it's interesting. You had you were here in Edmonton last uh, summer in August uh, for the Holinka Gretzky tournament. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was a great tournament for us. The team in Sweden, uh, we had a good tournament. We uh, had the opportunity to play for almost 10,000 fans, I think, in the finals. So that was really fun to play in the Rogers Arena. And you got a, you won a uh, U18 championship. You were voted top defenseman in the tournament. That was obviously uh, playing at home. That must have been a great experience for you as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we got the opportunity to play in the finals, and this time we won. Uh, so that was obviously a big thing for us. And uh, to do that on home field, that was just. A dream, really. Okay, uh, a couple more questions. Moving forward, I mean, this is a development camp. This is, it's not a, you know, evaluation camp. It's just, hey, get sort of experience to be in a letter and that sort of thing. But have you thought about where you're going to play next season? Do you think you're going to play in uh, Sheleftia? Is it possibly playing Canadian uh, Major Junior? Hamilton is uh, run by a former letter, uh, Steve Stales, who is a, a well-liked uh, guy. But uh, have, you, have you thought that far ahead yet? Uh, no, not so much. Like, I'm just trying to take it all in right now. And uh, he's training good to the summer. And then me and the Oilers are going to talk about what's the best thing for me. And then after that, we're going to uh, make sure that whatever I'm playing, I'm going to have the best developing. Philip, the best part about this interview is we did it in English. Your English is a lot better than my Swedish. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was our Bob Stoffer in conversation with the newest Edmonton Oiler, Philip Broberg. Uh, let's get to a couple more of the text messages before we wrap up the show here. Out of Lethbridge, Alberta, Edmonton is definitely a hockey town. I guess that's what happens when everyone's neighbor is an NHL scout. A little tongue-in-cheek shot at some of the textures, perhaps? <laughs> Hockey Howie tells me that I need to learn to elaborate. Who the hell is Josh Ho saying? Well, Howie, I assume when you're listening to a show called Oilers Now, you know who a first-round draft pick would be. He's from the Islanders system. He played in the OHL. He's had a bit of a troubled past in terms of what uh, scouts have thought or player development personnel of his attitude. That's why he didn't play for Canada at any of the World Junior tournaments when he was eligible. Uh, He even took some flack for wearing Mario Lemieux's... Number 66. Is that enough elaboration for you, Howie? Topher says, 
B-E. It's funny, isn't it? We're here in Edmonton. We're thinking the pool party should fetch more than P.K. Subban. Thank you for listening. P.S. The more sound clips, the better. I always love to hear from Topher on the text line, and he's never shy about it. Let's go to this day in Oilers history. Back in 2011, the Oilers draft Red Deer Rebels forward Ryan Nugent Hopkins first overall, and they took hulking Swedish defenseman Oscar Kleffbaum from Farstad 19th overall. Nuge played over 530 games with the Oilers, potting a career-high 69 points last year. Clefbaum has played 316 games, totaling 122 points. Now, at the beginning of the most recent season, the Oilers actually had four of the first-round picks out of that draft. Adam Larson going fourth that year to New Jersey. Ryan Strom fifth to the Islanders, in addition to Nugent Hopkins and Oscar Clefbaum. Some may say that Ryan Strom still had a spot on this team, and and uh, that is just no longer the case. Uh, <laughs> however you look at it, that was a depth move that uh, did not pan out. Not that we need to beat that dead horse anymore. One more text here out of Edmonton. I know season seat renewal rates are low, but I'm hoping the Oilers take another season to deal with Lucic and Jesse. No poison pill to swallow this year because of Lucic and maximizing Jesse's value are what's best for the long haul. The only bitter pill to swallow should come at the expense of the fans and the ownership, which strengthens the team for the next 10 years and not just this upcoming season. Well, that's an interesting one. Uh, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen with Milan Lucic. I get the impression that he wants to be better. He wants to do better. In Edmonton Oilers uniform, uh, he's got the offseason to sort out uh, what that might look like. And then we'll see heading into the season. But uh, I don't smell a lot of smoke in terms of the Erickson or Neal for Lucic deal right now. That could change in a hurry. But as of right now, I don't see him on the move. I don't see what they would gain by picking up a guy like Louis Erickson, for example. Uh, and Yessi, just uh, again, I reiterate the way that I see it, the way that him and his agent have handled things in the media. There's not a lot of interest in him coming back here. So not that he gets to decide on which terms he leaves. The team will ultimately have that say. They are going to uh, retain his rights by giving him that qualifying offer as he is a restricted free agent. But I don't expect to see 98 in orange and blue come the fall. Tonight on 6.30, Chet, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins from 6 to 8 p.m. Tomorrow, as mentioned, Stoffer Inspector for the Horses, Horse Racing Alberta, who remind you the new Century Mile Racetrack and Casino is now open in Niskew with live racing every Thursday night, Saturday and Sunday day. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 Ched Afternoon News with Jalen Nye. They're live on location, a brand new establishment opening up here in Edmonton. Jalen will have all the details on her show immediately following Eileen. Brendan Escott saying thanks so much for listening, participating, and so long from the 6.30 Ched Studios. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.